My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself. And say, do here in your native place the things that we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years. And a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. This past Tuesday night, We had showed this documentary or this film called The Dating Project to the students at the Newman Catholic Center in Montclair State where I I minister and where I serve. And the documentary follows these four or five young men and women who are somewhere between their 20s and 40s who are all talking about dating, or rather the struggle they have with dating. And the whole idea of the film came from this professor at Boston College who had observed that her students really don't know how to date anymore. To the point that she started doing these classes and then lectures that now draw over a thousand students at a time just to hear her thoughts and her theories and her guidelines on how to date. It might be kind of hard for all of us older to believe that young adults would need coaching on something that would seem so common. But there's a lot of reasons that this has become a challenge. One being that there is this hookup culture that's taken hold, where men and women hang out in groups. They don't necessarily know each other that well or that closely. A couple might start talking to each other in these settings. They might become promiscuous. And then it's over. There's not really any commitment, and there might not even be an an expectation that there's going to be any type of a follow-up. And when you add how, how social media has almost eroded people's communication skills, you begin to see how we might have gotten to this place, that young adults don't even have rules for dating, and the terrible effect that this is having on this generation, that it's causing 
greater loneliness and depression, that there's a greater lack of trust between young men and women. The film claimed that we're living at a time that has the highest percentage of Americans living single than at any time in our history. All of that was just troubling on, on an observational level, but what really affected me personally was seeing how the students were reacting to the film as they were watching it. How many nervous laughs there were, how many knowing nods, and how many tears fell that verified that this just isn't just a problem, but also the personal hurt that so many had experienced just in that room for something that should be one of the real joys of a being a young adult. I'm embarrassed that the whole thing kind of surprised me as much as it did. It's been 12 years that I've been in campus ministry, so it wasn't like any of these things were news flashes or, or huge revelations, but it was almost like the extent of exactly how bad things had gotten and the ripple effects that it's having and witnessing people in real pain and real hurt so close to home just hit hard. And I left that event thinking that night going, what a crazy, crazy world we're living in and how incredibly hard life is and seems to be getting for people every day. And that's probably not groundbreaking or an earth-shattering revelation either. What demographic in our nation right now isn't experiencing great tension or feeling like things are spinning out of control? A friend of mine who teaches in a pre-K to grade 5 school shared that in her 25 years as a school nurse, she's never had this many number of kids who are on anti-anxiety medication. And when I think about all the different groups of people from my life, whether it's current students or alumni who are dealing with a variety of crises and addictions and problems, or different families from parish assignments, or even my own friend and family circles who might be suffering through separation or divorce, or have legitimate fears for the well-being of those closest to them or just themselves, life is hard and seems to be getting harder every day. And there seems to be plenty of people who rush in with an observation or a theory on, on how to tackle a different issue. There's all kinds of advertisements promising help and healing to every one of these ills and other ones that people are facing. But it seems that fewer and fewer people are being successful in turning the tide to the struggles that so many are facing in day-to-day -day living. I know, kind of depressing to think about. I don't know if just the polar vortex with the subarctic temperatures got me into down mood myself, but that was some of the stuff that was on my mind this week. And then when I came upon these scriptures, I started praying with it. The legitimate question is like, well, what's the answer? Where's the good news? And two things came out from this gospel. First is that, that Jesus is with us in the midst of all this insanity. And that he's come to save us from it. Jesus offers us and saves us by offering us good news that can not only radically alter just our lives, but the entire world. Because this gospel reading continues what we started to hear last Sunday, where Jesus was laying out his mission. That he is the one 
that God the Father had promised would bring glad tidings to the poor, liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to free the oppressed. And we pick up from there as Jesus tells his listeners that he will indeed fulfill all of those promises. But what we see today in that gospel reading is that people back then had just as hard a time believing that as many people do today. Because in the gospel, initially, people were speaking highly of him. They were amazed. Who doesn't want to hear those good things? Who doesn't want to believe that fullness of life is possible? These initial listeners were people that were from his hometown. They had seen Jesus growing up, so they already experienced Jesus' charisma. That when he spoke and preached, and was maybe just simply in their company, there was already something amazingly different in him than there would have been in anyone else they had ever met. They probably had heard stories about miracles happening and were eager to see what might happen next. So the very thought that he was the Messiah would have been exciting as these people that Jesus was speaking to wanted to be saved. Or at least they thought that they did. Because in reality, what they wanted was the Roman occupiers who had conquered them and who were treating them like second-class citizens in their own homeland to get what was coming to them. They wanted the Messiah to come in and to reestablish them as a chosen people. They wanted their, their earthly kingdom to be reestablished and for their place as royal citizens to be certain. So when Jesus now goes out of his way and he corrects them saying that, Salvation is bigger than those earthly concerns. That his mission isn't about pitting Jews versus Romans, but about extending God's love to all humanity. They feel betrayed. That's what was happening as, as Jesus was using those examples about the widow and the leper. He was reminding the hometown crowd how God worked through individuals who don't conform to people's expectations. It was Jesus' way of explaining to his listeners that his messiahship isn't going to conform to their expectations either. Jesus' good news of salvation is for everyone. And they definitely got the message. That claim was so radical and is so radical that to them, they lose their minds. Look at their reaction. They don't yell at him calling him a liar for saying he's the anointed one or saying, no, you're not the Messiah at all. They respond in anger and they want to eliminate Jesus. We're living in times that, that also seem to try to eliminate Jesus as well. If there was ever a doubt about that, it seemed incredibly clear to me as we saw politicians claiming to be Catholic one day and then cheering as they pass legislation, making the already grotesque evil of abortion even more horrific as it now allows infanticide now. As screwed up as the world seems to be, as upside down as our values and morals in our time have become, following Jesus has become more countercultural than ever. But the truth is, if we want to experience the fullness of life, if we want those glad tidings to speak into all those areas of desolation that we see and that we experience, 
Jesus has already given us the path. A path that forces us to, to have that integrity to confront who we are and, and the world that we live in as it is really and how it could be. A path that forces us to realize that that ever-expanding gulf that exists between the values we profess as followers of Jesus and the values that are actually being lived right now. A path that calls us to have the courage to recreate our place in the world in the sacrificial love and the mercy and the selflessness that God calls us to. Love never fails, St. Paul tells us, so out of love for those in need, we confidently address our prayers to our loving God.
holy name. God of great mercy, hear these prayers which come from our hearts and answer them according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today's second collection is from the monthly Archdiocesan Assessment. Thank you to the Archdiocesan. 